Welcome to New Spring Church. We pray this message has inspired you to live a great life. For more information about our story, go to newspring.org.au. Hop, skip and jump. This series is all about thinking. Have you ever thought about the way you think? Most people don't. And um, I guess for all of us here, it's good to know that we are all actually thinking beings. Did you know that? We are continually thinking. We think all the time. During the day, we are always thinking. Is everyone just thinking right now? Generally, during the day, our thinking is about a building process. And at night, we continue thinking as well. But at night, it's a kind of different process. We actually have a sorting process, which happens at night, which is why sometimes we can just have some freakish dreams, right? Just that you wake up thinking, what was that about? Well, you were sorting some of your thoughts, and maybe you just had like some things happening in your mind. And, and the brain is a phenomenal thing, trying to build things, but also trying to sort things. And as we think, we are continually making choices. And as we make choices, we actually cause genetic expressions to happen in the brain. So right now, there are things that are happening in your brain. Did you know that? It's good to know. So I thought it might be a good idea just to actually add to some of these genetic expressions that are already happening in your brain and and just see how you go. So I've got a couple of things which I'm going to put up. um, Just on the PowerPoint saying I've got a couple of photos which I'm going to put up. And um, you know what? I want you to imagine it's a sweltering 40-degree day in Perth. And you know what? It is, there's no air conditioning. You're probably at church right now and, um, because the air conditioning does not work in this place and it becomes a sauna. And you just, you just think, I just need to get some respite. I want you to think about, well, if you had the choice to go to this place, Cottesloe, or possibly um, spend the afternoon in the following place, which one would you go? Who would go for Cottesloe? Who would go for the beach? You have to make a choice, otherwise this illustration is not working at all. Okay, who goes for the beach? Who's a beach person? Who goes for the pool? I'm a pool person because I'm not a shark person. Um, Basically, that's what I do. (laughs) What about going on a holiday? You've been working hard, you need a holiday, right? Maybe who would like this kind of holiday? Just out there camping? Who likes that? What about this holiday? Go into a nice resort. Who would rather the resort? Who would rather go camping? Camping resort. For me, I, mean, I, don't do, I don't do bugs, okay? I don't do snakes. I don't do kangaroos. I will go to a resort and I will sit by the pool. and I'll, I'm, a, I, I'm a pool kind of guy and I'm a resort kind of guy. Now imagine it's a Sunday morning, right? And that alarm goes off on Sunday morning. I know for me it goes off. What would you rather do? Would you kind of rather do this on a Sunday morning or would you rather do that? Be here. Look at that expression. Look at that. I must have been making a really good point. I have no idea. But stay a hater when people take a photo at exactly the wrong moment. (laughs) But we make choices. We make choices every day. And as we make choices, as we are thinking, our thoughts are actually causing genetic expressions to actually occur in our brain. And things are actually happening all the time. I think that one of the epidemics which, which people kind of commentate and say about people in the world is that there are a lot of people who seem to be what they call mindless. Any mindless people here? A mindless person is a little bit like this, right? Just imagine you're going up to like the, the biggest water slide you could possibly imagine and, and you're just jumping over there and you, you climb all the way to the top and there's a slide going all the way down and you jump on and you go, whoo, 
Well, a mindless person sees life as I'm just jumping on this slide and they don't realize that they actually have some control. They think that life has complete control over them. And as a result, they may say things, you know what, you know what? It just happens. You know, it just hits the fan, it happens. That stuff happens. Or they may say things like, you know, such is life. And they don't actually take responsibility for their life. They're actually mindless. They think life is happening to me. And I think some of the saddest people in the world are those who haven't actually been told as yet that we all actually have a say in the choices we make and the life that we could possibly have. Do you believe that? Or are you mindless? Sometimes I think even as Christians, we believe, you know what, I'm a child of God and God is up there and God's over here and he's just singing, you know, okay, Sarah, Sarah, whatever will be, will be. He's not singing that song at all. Let me tell you that. Sometimes we think that and we actually abdicate responsibility. What God actually is doing, he's singing a theme which he's been singing over his people for thousands and thousands and thousands of years. And today I want to kind of drill in on where this started. And this theme, this song that God started singing over his people is actually found in Deuteronomy chapter 30, verse 19. And this is the moment in history where God is renewing his covenant or the nature of his relationship with his people. That's what covenant means, the nature of relationship. And he's speaking through Moses and he says this, This day I call the heavens and the earth as witnesses against you, that I have set before you life and death, blessing and curses. Now choose life so that you and your children may live and that you may love the Lord your God, listen to his voice and hold fast to him. For the Lord is your life and he will give you many years in the land he swore to give to your fathers, Abraham, Isaac and Jacob. Now I understand there's some key words here as we read that. The first couple of words, this day, actually let us know that this was spoken at a fixed point in human history. It was like anchored somewhere, and it's actually still anchored there today. The next thing which might seem a little bit interesting is that he calls to witness heaven and earth. So he's actually making a legal declaration here. You know, if you go into a courtroom, you might call up some witnesses, and they have to say things. Well, in this particular case, it's interesting that God actually calls upon heaven and earth to be witnesses of this thing that he is saying, which has been anchored in history. And the reason why he has called heaven and earth as witnesses of what he is saying at this particular point in history is because what he is saying is actually going to transcend generations. Like the same heaven and earth is the same heaven and earth Thousands of years ago, when God first said it, is the same heaven and earth that we are currently experiencing right now. And it's for that reason that he calls to witness heaven and earth. Because what he said thousands of years ago still applies to God's people today. It transcends all generations. And you notice what God does. For some reason, he actually gives his people a choice. He gives them a choice. He says, here's the choice. Life or death, blessing or cursing. And then he sort of adds on there, but choose life. It's a choice. But here's the deal. It's your choice. It's your choice. Only you can make it. Only I can make it. I would love to be able to make choices for my wife. I would love to. 
If there was a way that could possibly happen, I would love that. It would make my life so much easier, you know, and ultimately destroy our marriage. But anyway, um, but no, God has actually given each and every one of us free will. It's one of the most profound things about this God who is almighty, all-powerful, that he would look upon us as, as, as his creation and say, you've got a choice. There's life and death, but you can choose death. There's blessing and cursing, but you can choose cursing, or you can choose blessing. But it's actually your choice. And this is the reason why the Bible is so intent in actually asking us to pay attention to what is happening in our mind, where our choices are happening. This is why the Bible is so intent. This is why the New Testament continually says you need to continually be aware of what is happening in your mind. When it comes to our input, the Bible has something to say. Philippians 4.8 says this, Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, get this, think about such things. And what's it saying? If you think about these things, it means you're not thinking about other things. Because if the Word of God is saying that there are things that are pure, well, there's going to be things that are not pure. If there are things that are excellent, there's going to be things that aren't so excellent. You know, that's why every single footy season I get up and I advocate the West Coast Eagles over the Fremantle Dockers. Because one is excellent, one is not so excellent. Too many Dockers supporters here, obviously. Pray them out in Jesus' name. But here's the thing, whatever we actually allow in and consume and meditate, that's actually going to affect our thinking and our choices. So the Bible actually talks about our input, but the Bible also talks about our output as well. 2 Corinthians 10 verse 5, we focused on this a couple of weeks ago, says we demolish arguments and every pretension that sets itself up against the knowledge of God. And get this, and we take captive every thought to make it obedient to Christ. So this is what Scripture says. There's going to be stuff that's coming in. We have control over that. You know, we can actually choose to focus on things that are excellent, that are pure, that are admirable. We can actually focus and meditate on that kind of stuff. We've got some control over that stuff. But then the Bible also says there's going to be stuff that comes out of you as well. And we need to actually be able to look at the stuff that comes out of us. And if it isn't great, we need to actually capture it or take it captive and look at it and actually bring the Word of God to it and actually transform that. That's what it says. Our mind is a remarkable thing. Our mind is where our choices happen. Our mind is where our thinking happens. And because of our thinking and our choosing, our feelings follow from that. Are you with me so far? And this is what's so amazing about our mind. I've got this video of um, something that we all have. Sandy's going to put it up in a minute. And um, it's called a brain. Has everyone... um, Has anyone actually seen their brain? I've never seen my brain. I'm told it's there. This is something that's so profound about the mind, okay? Get this. The brain does the bidding of the mind. The brain does the bidding of the mind. The brain does the bidding. I'm going to say a couple of things about the brain, and I need you to know that um, this is stuff which I've um, read I'm not a brain expert or anything like that. Um, I'm not a brain surgeon, thank goodness. Um, But, you know, it was only a couple of um, decades ago that scientists in the world actually believed that the brain was actually quite fixed 
and hardwired. Um, the idea was that if someone was brain injured or if they had like a like a um, illness or something like depression or anxiety, that the, the idea was that this was irreversible. And that was only a couple of decades ago. But with modern advancements in, in science and technology, um, there's been this phenomenon which is kind of... Um, propagated and, and really lifted up at the moment is called neuroplasticity. Has anyone heard of neuroplasticity? Neuroplasticity. And the idea with neuroplasticity is that our brains are actually malleable, that they actually change and adapt. In fact, our brain is adapting moment by moment every single day. So your brain is different today than it was yesterday. Isn't that remarkable? I think sometimes we actually take things for granted. We've got an amazing kit in our noggin, and it's just so phenomenal. Um, science is discovering that this brain is actually quite plastic, that it actually moves, it manoeuvres. That's why you can be like 70-year-olds and year old and, and you can like start learning a different language or a musical instrument. There's something of our brain that we can actually learn and change. It's phenomenal. What happens every single morning we've discovered is that when we wake up, we have these new baby nerve cells that have actually been born overnight. Isn't that amazing? You've got new brain cells, like nerves, that were born last night. You didn't have them yesterday. <laughs> it's called neurogenesis. And while we were sleeping, these nerves were born. And what's really phenomenal is that these new nerves in our brain are actually available and at our disposal for tearing down toxic thoughts and rebuilding healthy thoughts in our brain. The Bible calls this the renewal of the mind. Science calls this neuroplasticity. The power of the mind to change the brain is called neurogenetics. Isn't it amazing how science is discovering things as backing up the Bible? Isn't it amazing that if you seek the truth for long enough, you will eventually find God? It's phenomenal. Now, science has actually shown, because we can now measure things, everything in our brain, whether it be the chemicals or, or through imaging and, and all sorts of stuff. But science has actually shown that the proteins that are produced from toxic thoughts are different to the proteins that are produced from healthy thoughts. Something actually happens differently. That if we continually have negative thoughts, the structure of our brain is going to be different to if we have positive thoughts. In other words, science has actually shown that that old adage, mind over matter, is not just some cute saying, but it actually is more real than we could possibly think or imagine. That should make us feel kind of happy because it means that the way my, function, my brain functions and thinks at the moment, it doesn't have to be this way, it can actually change. But the Word of God's been saying this for thousands of years, you see. Toxic thinking actually changes the brain's wiring into a negative direction and throws the mind and body into what we call stress. So when we make poor quality decisions, unforgiveness, we allow bitterness to take root, where we continually becoming irritated, when we have these feelings like, I'm not coping, we literally change the DNA and subsequent genetic expression and we change the shape of our brain wiring in a negative direction, which automatically puts the brain in a protection mode, which translates these poor quality toxic thoughts as negative stress, and the stress then manifests itself in our bodies. Isn't that phenomenal? Amazing. Isn't it amazing? And Romans 12, verse 2 says, Do not conform to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind, 
Then you will be able to test and approve what God's will is, his good, pleasing, and perfect will. That scripture and science are actually saying the same thing right now. You can take that down. Thanks, Sandy. I find that rather interesting. But it's your choice. This is what God says. It's your choice. Today, I set before you lie, um, life and death, blessings and cursing. It's your choice. Therefore, choose life. It's an amazing thing that God says, I'm not going to make the choice for you, but you're going to have to choose it yourself. As humans were made in the image of God and being made in the image of God, we have this ability to actually stand outside of ourselves and to make assessments of our own thinking. Have you ever done that when you maybe you've had this form of thinking and you've just stopped yourself and you've actually stood outside of yourself and looked at yourself and you've asked yourself, why do I continually think that way? Why do I continually try to pull people down? Why do I continually act defensively when someone says that? Why do I continually do this? Because we have this ability to stand outside of ourselves and actually look at our decisions, look at our thought life and kind of say, I wonder why I am continually going down that track. As humans made in the image of God, we also have this ability that we can recognize and choose what is right thinking and what isn't right thinking. In fact, there are some professionals who make a lot of money encouraging people to think right, aren't they? From time to time, we might find ourselves going to a professional to help us out, and that's a great thing um, to actually help us with that. So today, I want to consider one verse and a corresponding attitude that could possibly help us to choose better thoughts, better choices, to engraft into our lives And this is something that both science and scripture will say has the potential and power to transform our lives. If you remember last week, I talked about attitude, didn't I? I talked about attitude as a thing that we look through. It's like having a windscreen and our windscreen can either be dirty or it can be clean, you know? And as we start off in life, we generally have a clean windscreen that we're looking through. But as we progress through life, we have dirt and like stuff just kind of falls on your windscreen and and. It's our choice whether we clean that or not. It's our attitude. Well, today I want to continue that with an attitude to ensure that our windscreen is a little bit cleaner. And it's found in Colossians 3, verse 15. So why don't you just flip over there. If you've got your Bible on your phone, we can click over there. Um, Colossians 3, verse 15. One scripture, one corresponding attitude that could potentially absolutely be a game changer in your life in the way that we think. Colossians 3 verse 15 says this, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. And be thankful. Anyone read that verse before? Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts. Since as members of one body you were called to peace, and be thankful. Interesting that Paul actually starts that sentence with the word let. There's a choice. Right there. Can let this happen, but it doesn't have to, but the choice is yours, you see. It's not my choice, it's your choice. Let the peace of God rule in your heart. Let it happen. 
And when Paul's talking about this peace, he's talking about the peace of Jesus. And he's referring to Jesus' promise that he gave in John chapter 14 when Jesus said to his disciples, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you, not as the world gives you. Jesus' peace. So there's this opportunity, this invitation that we could actually have peace in our life, but not just any peace. We could actually have the same peace that Jesus had when he walked on this earth. Who'd like that kind of peace? That'd be kind of cool, wouldn't it? That'd be kind of great, you know? Storms coming, the disciples freaking out in the boat and they're like getting toppled and all that, Jesus sleeping like in the stern of the ship. That'd be great, wouldn't it? There's storms in life and things threatening to throw you overboard and you just have a great night's sleep. That'd be kind of good to have, wouldn't it? That kind of peace would be great. People talking about you, religious people could, like concocting plans to, to, to just like um, to kill Jesus, to get him out, to trick him and all that. Jesus just, just, just walking through. Here's peace. That'd be kind of cool to have, wouldn't it? When people are speaking about you still have peace, that'd be fantastic, you know? Knowing that one of your dearest friends is about to betray you, knowing and just having dinner with them. That's insane, you know? Someone's about to betray you because of his betrayal. You're going to die, the worst death on the face of the earth. And you know what? I know what I'm going to do. Let's go have dinner. That's pretty cool peace. That'd be kind of nice, wouldn't it? Anyone there yet? I'm not. If I know someone's about to betray me, oh my goodness, let's get out of here. But it's your choice. But Scripture gives the promise that this kind of peace, it's available for you and for me. But you need to let it, which means it's our choice. I'm going to read this from the Amplified Bible, which I don't normally do, but it just brings out some things um, in a good way in this particular verse. Colossians 3 verse 15 in the Amplified says this, And let the peace, which is a soul harmony which comes from Christ, rule or act as umpire continually in your hearts, deciding and settling with finality or questions that arise in your minds in that peaceful state, to which as members of Christ's one body you were also called to live and be thankful or appreciative, giving praise to God always. This word peace is like not just um, having the stillness, but it actually comes from a Hebrew word, which means shalom. And, and this word peace actually encompasses everything from this general sense of well-being, this general sense of prosperity in every area of your life. So it is well with my soul is shalom. It is peace. And this is saying that this peace is available in our life. But there is a key, I think, that Paul gives to this kind of peace. And the key is actually an attitude which desperately needs to be cultivated in our world. In our world. And it's found in Colossians 3 verse 15c. Get this. Only a couple of words. And be thankful. And be thankful. Get this. And be thankful. Because he says, let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body you were called to peace. Isn't that amazing, right? We're actually called to live in peace. And he says, and be thankful. That's amazing. But this attitude of being grateful, of gratitude, has to be cultivated. It does not just happen by itself. You can't just like just go through life and think, you know what, I'm just going to let life happen to me. I'm just going to respond without thinking to be mindless. Gratitude needs to be cultivated. It needs to happen intentionally. And get what Paul says this. He says, be thankful, but 
the verb which he uses in the original language is very, very significant. In fact, when Paul says, be thankful here, it just reads as any or word to us, doesn't it? How many times have you read the word thankful in Scripture? Heaps of times. No? Thousands of times. But in the Greek, this word thankful, or this verb used here, occurs once in the New Testament. Once. And what it means is to be a thankful people. To be a thankful people. What it means is to keep being or keep becoming thankful people. To continue to grow in the attitude of gratitude. It actually says this, the church, Christians, are actually called and are those who are characterised by their thankfulness. In other words, if you're going to walk through the streets, walk through the neighbourhood, and if you were to identify a Christian, one thing that you would see in any Christian would be this attitude of gratitude. It's something that characterises the church. That's what he's saying. And he's saying that we need to grow in it. We need to be thankful and we need to be becoming thankful, which lets us know that we all need to cultivate thankfulness in our life. It's a great promise, the peace of God, isn't it? Fantastic. Peace of God. You're not going to have any peace in your life if you're a grumpy, no, you know, I can't believe they did that. (sighs) Unbelievable. My goodness. Who's you, you, you can't have the peace of God in your life if you're going to be a grumpy, windy, or like fool. You can't. You can't. Paul's kind of saying that to have a Christian that's kind of not grateful, that's kind of an oxymoron. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't come together. That, that, that we as Christians should be the most thankful people on the face of the earth. Zero needs to cultivate a bit more thankfulness in their life. I really do. I really do. I really do. You know, um, I was, um, this, this week I kind of got a, um, a bit of a nudge from God. Not in a good way, by the way, but as he normally does. And, um, <laughs> and um, there are certain times when um, I'm doing this, um, this job, and I think it's the same for every vocation, um, but, but being a senior pastor, there are certain times where um, it can become um, a little bit difficult and a little bit overwhelming, and, um, and um, uh, I, there are times where I find it really, really hard, and um, I caught myself just having a bit of a whinge and complaining um, about my job. Does anyone else whinge and complain about their job? You've got three honest people in the house. It's good. <laughs> and uh, so I'm going like, God, oh, you know, Armadale's tough. You know, this is a tough area, tough people, tough and rah, 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 rah. I'm being a whinger like nothing else. It's amazing. I was in a moment, I was in my kitchen, and um, in a moment I just got this flash. And I got this picture of when I was like 20 years old. And uh, when I was 20 years old... Um, I was a young adult leader and, and, and all that, and it was 20 years ago. I was, I was about 20. And at that time, um, there was kind of this new music kind of coming on the scene as far as um, the Christian world was concerned. I actually remembered um, when it seems that contemporary Christian music probably took its, 
one of its first turns, I think. And um, I remember Marty Sampson brought out this song, By Your Side. Does anyone remember that song? No, you're all... Yep, By Your Side. That was like... I heard that song and I thought, that is not... I, like, I was thinking, there is no way they'd play that in church. You know, the following week, they've played it in church. And, um, but by your side, and, and at that time, there were these other things that happened, because after that kind of came Hillsong United, which was kind of this new sound, and Planet Shakers kind of really started coming on the scene. And um, I remember there was this Planet Shakers song that we always used to sing at youth, almost every single week, and it was called Send Me. And um, for all of you who are young, you probably wouldn't know it, um, but it was this worship song, but it was also this prayer. And it was just this picture that I just saw, and God just showed me myself, just praying this song out to him. And it was going, send me, I will go, send me, I will go, to the city, to this nation, and to the nations of the world. And I saw that picture, and all of a sudden, God said, what are you complaining about? I just answered that prayer that you prayed 20 years ago. Why aren't you thanking me? that I answered your prayer, but you are complaining that I would actually be faithful enough to answer a prayer that you prayed. Didn't you say, Dave, 20 years ago that you would go? Does anyone else have God just like slap you down like that? It's like, (laughs) send me, I will go. Well, did you mean it or not? I didn't know what I was praying, God. (laughs) But that actually changed my perspective right there. Because I spend times when I grumble and I complain sometimes. And God was actually showing me and reminding me, you're complaining when you should be thanking me. There should be an attitude of gratitude. How amazing that God would hear the prayer of a guy who was 19, 20 years old just praying this prayer and saying, God, I don't know what's going to happen, but I feel there's a sense. I feel there's a call. I feel there's something. I feel you place something inside of me and I'm going to forego all those other vocations that are in front of me and I'm going to pursue you and I believe that you would radically change this generation in and through my life. And fast track 20 years ago, I start complaining because God's been answering that prayer. I need to cultivate an attitude of gratitude, an attitude of gratitude, attitude of gratitude. Count your blessings, name them one by one. Count your blessings, see what God has done, done. I think sometimes we don't count our blessings. And sometimes we may not see right, and we see that our blessings, sometimes we don't see our blessings as blessings, you know. Sometimes we don't. I think there's something about as we come to worship, that as we turn our eyes from ourself, as we turn our eyes to Jesus, as a, it actually does something to the way we see the world. It does something to our attitude, doesn't it? Worship is all about seeing God. To live a worshipful life basically means to see Jesus. If we look to God, we'll worship. What's the reason why we come to church? Well, one of the primary reasons is that collectively we kind of take our hands from here. We all walk in like this. And by the end of a service, we pray that we're walking out like that, that our head has been lifted up. He is the lifter of our head. Our hope is that we would behold Jesus. We would hope that as we walk out of this place today that that we are more worshipful, that we are more thankful, that we are more grateful, that, that we are more inclined to hear the voice of God, you see. You know, 
And some of the great songs that we sing, some of the great hymns have been all about that. I was thinking about a couple of them this week, you know. O Lord my God, when I in awesome wonder, consider all the worlds thy hands have made. Get this, I see the stars. Where's your eyes fixed? I see the stars. Eyes aren't fixed on me. I see the stars. I hear the rolling thunder. Thy power throughout the universe displayed. Then sings my soul, my Savior God to thee. How great thou art. How great. Something happens when we lift our eyes. Something happens. Great is thy faithfulness. Great is thy faithfulness. Morning by morning, new mercies I see. All I have needed, thy hand hath provided. Great is thy faithfulness, Lord, unto me. You know, this morning, he is the Lord Almighty. He is the Lord Almighty. What do we do in the very first song, the very first note, the very first thing we utter in a church service? We're actually saying, He is Lord. Take your eyes off yourself and look at the Lord. Because something happens as we take our eyes off ourselves, off our situation, and as we look and we behold His glory, as we behold His creation, as we behold and as we remember how beautiful and how wonderful it is, all of a sudden perspective comes and all of a sudden we say, Thank you, God. You're so amazing to me. I can't believe that you, you took a ruddy 20-year-old and you brought him out over here. I can't believe that you would possibly place your anointing on me. I can't believe that you would put your word in my mouth to make it palatable and understandable and still bring about transformation. In the same way, it transformed lives thousands. I can't believe that you would invite me to be part of this grand narrative, salvation history. I can't believe it. You are amazing. Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in His wonderful face. And the things of this earth will grow strangely dim in the light of His glory and grace. Worship does that, doesn't it? Worship does that. And you may think, oh, yeah, they're like the good old hymns of the day. The good old hymns of the day were phenomenal. But the hymns of this day are just as powerful, just as powerful. What a powerful name it is. What a wonderful name it is. What a beautiful name it is. The name of Jesus Christ. Get this, my King. Words, worship, taking our, hand, our eyes off ourselves and looking and looking. And Scripture says that this peace that Jesus had, Jesus said, I'm not going to give you the peace, the same peace that the world's going to give you. You know what? I love our government. I love being part of Australia and all that. But you know what? There's going to be announcements about tax cuts. Fantastic. It's going to be great. It's going to help and all. But that kind of peace is nothing compared to the peace of Jesus Christ. Nothing like it. And, and he says, this peace, it's available. But you've got to let it rule. You've got to let it umpire in your life. And how do you do that? Well, be thankful. Have gratitude. You know, be thankful. Be thankful. Be thankful. You know, you can, like, if you've got a wife or husband, before you go to sleep, you just look at them and say, Babe, I'm so thankful that I'm yours and you're mine. Wake up in the morning, look at her and say, You know what, babe? I'm so thankful that you still love me with this bad breath and like messy hair. And... <laughs> but it's about cultivating an attitude of gratitude. And when you're cultivating anything, it starts small. It starts small. 
So I wonder if there's some blessings you can count this day. I wonder if there's anything in your life this day that you can be thankful about. I wonder if God would actually say this thing of attitude, the church being characterized as thankful people, I reckon it's something that we can actually lift the level up. Maybe as we walk out of this place, maybe we could put some things in place. Maybe as we go to sleep, maybe you have a book or something, or maybe in your phone, and, and every night you're just going to write down five things. God, I'm thankful for these five things today. Today I am thankful for. Today I am thankful that you love me. Today I'm thankful for the weather. Today I'm thankful that it's not 40 degrees. Today I'm thankful that Trevor just gave me a phenomenal coffee this morning. It was phenomenal. I told you that. It was great. I don't know what you did, but that was just a great coffee, you know? <laughs> You can say, God, I thank you that Trevor gave Dave a great coffee and he preached well. I thank you that I understood what the pastor was saying. I thank you that you're challenging me and you're confronting me. It means that you love me and you care for me and you're not going to leave me by myself because you care so much for me. You want to see me change and grow and mature and become like Jesus Christ. I thank you for that, God. I thank you for that, God. And as we cultivate the attitude of gratitude, that windscreen of our life is going to be cleaner because that's what we're looking through. And as we have that, we're going to have more peace in our life. We're going to have more love in our life. Our eyes are going to be more fixed on Jesus and we're going to walk around in this world as the body of Christ, characterized by gratitude, an attitude that we all need to cultivate. Amen.